When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. Hey everybody, this is a early episode of Horror Movie Night. As you always know, when there is a really big horror film coming out, we have to sit down and do it in theaters. Now, usually we're joined by a guest, but Brian, our little uh, entrepreneur, is going to be filming uh, a short that you'll probably be seeing in, in like a month or so. So uh, we had to record super early, and most of the people who guest on these things are in different time zones. So... You will not hear Katie. You won't hear Stephen Bay. You're not going to hear any of them on this episode. It's just your normal ghostly trio over here. <laughs> so we'll, go, we'll do a real quick spoiler-free talk about what we thought about us. And then after about two minutes of this, um, you're going to want to shut this off if you haven't seen the movie. So let's just start off with a simple recommend or don't recommend to let people know if the, it's worth their time. Um I'll start with Brian because Brian's been the most secretive of the of the three of us. I I definitely recommend it to be seen. Okay. Um, I, I think I think we're all going to land in the same spot. I, I'll say this um, from expectations, like real reality versus expectations scale of one to ten, the movie is a two. Um, from like overall movie one to ten. 
it's like a six or a seven. I would definitely put it above out of the in theaters I've done. I'd put it above Halloween, but I would think I'd put it below Quiet Place and Hereditary. Okay, I I would say what I'll say is that there were points during the movie when I thought this was a five star out of five star movie, and then there were other points where I was like, eh, maybe it's not. Um, mm-hmm. So I I definitely had my mind changed, and it's still changing. I, it's been two days since I've seen it now, and as I keep reading more things about it and like looking into it more, the more like my thought process evolves from it. What I will say, and this is the, the, the most minorest of spoilers, but it's actually a celebration is like the trailer did a really good job of really only showing you the first 20 minutes of the movie. Um, and then it's, I had no clue what to expect after there was a point where I'm like, Oh, I've everything that's happened. I've already seen in the trailer and there's still like an hour and a half of this movie. Like that's kind of dope. That never happens. Yeah. So don't think that the movie has been spoiled for you by the trailers. Cause it really hasn't. It just, the trailer is just what the setup is. And that's awesome. And I think I, the only spoiler I want to say, because I think it's a helpful spoiler. And I think if I going into it, if I knew it, I might've enjoyed it better. Go into this movie expecting to see a dark comedy and not a horror movie. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, too. Uh, Scott, where are you at on it? So, I think it's an imperfect film, but it's original. So, uh, I'll take an imperfect original over a franchise or a remake any day. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday um we're gonna call him sci-fi steve because he likes sci-fi more than horror and his name is steve um so i was talking to him about the fact that i had seen it on thursday night um and he said he'd heard good things i told mario who you guys know and he was like oh i heard bad things i'm like "Mm, yeah that's (laughs) it's kind of par for the course with hollywood stuff but um I yeah, there's going to be a lot of divide on this. I think this is going to yeah. be a very divisive movie regardless. I but think yeah, it's you because can't say it's a bad movie. No, no, it's opinion. it's a it's a really well made I mean it's beautiful to look at. I uh-huh. think that the only um negative thing I have to say is that there were some st- plot decisions that I d- didn't agree with. That's oh, all yeah, there is of errors, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I, here's yeah. the thing is that I didn't get the hype of get out like i I watched on vod i didn't see it in theaters um and i i liked get out but i think that get out telegraphs what it is very early on and this movie is much better at holding the cards close to its chest about what it is like all the signs are there but when you get into the meat of the story you're like oh this went that way yeah well and that's the thing like so I will say this much. As soon as the movie ended, Scott and I got on the phone with each other because we had feelings that we needed to, like, speak to someone about. And after reading a couple articles about, like, oh, well, this is what this meant and this is what this was about. And, like, these were the hints and these were like, I don't completely forgive the things that I disliked, but I am more understanding and appreciative towards them than I was immediately leaving the theater. So if you leave the theater with a bad taste in your mouth, definitely do a little bit of research because it might help. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I don't research. <laughs> well, I also think that a lot of people don't want uh, like this is I would you consider this to be kind of an indie picture compared because it's not a blockbuster, right? 
Yeah, no, it's definitely. I mean, it's. I think Monkey Paul is Jordan Peele's is. company, yeah, right? So like, he independently produced and financed this movie. Like, he had more money than the normal independent filmmaker had. But, he's still, but it's still technically. I mean, but, like, I would yeah, still call it yeah. an indie. I, I feel it's like, indie in the way that like Zach Braff's movies are indie. Like, he has a lot of money to back his indie film versus yeah. like Kevin Smith doing Clerks, where you had to max out credit cards. To hope that you'll have enough money to rent a film stock. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so I guess the reason why I mentioned that is because um, I I, am considering it an indie film. I guess that you're kind of riding the line of are people going to want to delve deeper into what things meant in the film and and the, the, you know, the writer director's motivations and the cultural significance and the historical significance of the setting and things like that. I mean, like, I like that stuff. I'll geek out on that stuff. I'm not expecting yeah, everybody I, that goes to see us to do that. But that's I and, think that enriches this, the experience. That's what I'm getting at. And, and I mean, to be fair, it's not seeing a movie shouldn't come with homework. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, I think that it's there's, fun. there's a place for that, and I like there that. is. I and and what I'm saying is like I enjoy that too. But like I also get if someone's like, "Hey, I just want to see a movie. I don't want to do homework afterwards." Like valid. Like totally movie, get it. This movie definitely <laughs> works as a mindless popcorn flick if you want it to, because there's a lot of action. Like I said on our Instagram, I called it a thriller, and someone was like, "Oh, you're yeah. calling it a thriller." I'm like, "Well." It's kind of an Easter egg, too, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's very fair. But I think at this point, we'll stop talking cryptic. We'll give about five seconds of silence. And then after that, if you continue listening and you hear all the spoilers, you cannot complain to us. This is a legally binding statement. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Now they really um, can't blame us. Yeah, seriously. Um, I think. When I left the theater, I thought that the movie was great, and then it failed to stick the landing in the last five minutes. That's what and you it told really, me. Yeah, so, it really bummed me out. One <laughs> like, one thing I one thing that I want to almost take away from Jordan Peele, but then I have to give back to him, is figured out the twist in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, but, I was feeling that too. <laughs> but I did change my mind at some point because yeah. it didn't it didn't work, and and honestly, I think that. The whole twist of the movie still would have worked. And like my biggest thing walking away from it is I wish that I wish that their family um, escaped because like it's just uh, there's like a lot of I, there's just a lot of things that didn't work for me where it's like the entire world got out of this shadow. You know what I mean? Like I almost think it would be a better movie if they were just like I was expecting halfway through it was like, OK, this is like this shadow family is fucking raising hell while this family is going to try to get away, yeah. you know, as opposed to every single person's doppelganger, we'll call yeah. them, is is out killing. And so so here's I'll start with the things that I had an issue with. And I'll also bring up some of the things that I read that kind of made more sense and stuff like that. But like now here's where I don't. When when the villain, quote unquote, is explaining the tethered, uh-huh. she says that they're man made, right? Yeah. She okay. So, uh, um, I read up on it. Uh, you know, I read some things as well, and they. She says she doesn't know. Like I specifically okay. remember her saying she thinks that they're man made, but then somebody took that literally in um some some 
thought opinion piece that I read yesterday that said that they were man-made in like decades ago. So we're thinking like, and I get it. I'm thinking that if this is like Jordan Peele talking about the Tuskegee experiment, which is where the, like the government gave black people, um, uh, syphilis. And then they, they, uh, watched them decay. Like, the, the the progression of the disease so um i'm if, if that's what he was thinking and he did he did, hasn't said that in interviews that i know of but if that's what he's going for okay but it was more ambiguous in the movie where she, where um red the the uh lupita's um doppelganger uh tether says she thinks that they were man-made or not she said like gotcha i, I think she says something like we were made and then forgotten about. But the thing yeah. is, is that I don't feel like it's a science experiment. I think that this was, there was some sort of God or magic involved, not a God, but See, like well, gods the, or I, magic involved. I'm way more accepting if it's a God thing, because yeah. like, if there's a, if it's a man-made thing, it brings a question of like, well, why? <laughs> like yeah. They never well, answered well, no, no, the they, why they, that they did explain that. They said that the tethered were made to control the people above because you know, um, the boy and the pyro, uh, Pluto is the name of the the pyro version. Um, mm-hmm. But he can control him, and that's why he puts him into the the flaming um, car. Okay, car. yeah, that makes but, sense. Um, th- th- actually, here's the problem that I have with the tethered in general is that they are. I don't have a problem with where they came from. I, I let's just say thought experiment it doesn't matter who made them but the conceit is that they are cloned versions of people in the real world let's just say in uh santa cruz because that's where the movie takes place um santa cruz right yeah because it's a it's a lost boys reference oh yeah santa clara (laughs) Um, because because that's apparently supposed to be in the very beginning when the mom says, oh, they're filming a movie over there, Jordan Peele is opened up of like, that was his little Easter egg of like, oh, they're filming the Lost Boys in 1986 at this place. And that That's that cool. is that is yeah. one thing I want to really give to Jordan Peele, which like, you know, I love fucking Rob Zombie. But one thing Jordan Peele does way better than Rob Zombie is to pay homage to horror movies in such a subtle way. Yeah. Like, doesn't have to bash like, over the head with it. Yeah. 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 Like I really think, and I don't, I can't even say for sure, but not to jump to the end, but I feel like I, I saw it in the theater live, like live and thinking about, it, I think it was, is that last scene where her tether tries to kill her and she ends up killing her. I feel like that was paying homage to psycho. Like when Norman Bates turns out to be the mom, just like the whole angle that she came on the face she made when she stabbed her. Like, it seemed like a real subtle Ode to the original Psycho. I so I was telling Scott when we got when we were talking on the phone immediately after seeing the movie. I was saying that the thing I want to do is get a good quality screenshot of what all the VHS tapes are next to the TV in the opening scene because Chud is in there and Chud is very much what this movie is inspired by because of the people in the sewer coming mm-hmm. out and attacking. But then one of the other tapes I de- definitely saw was Nightmare on Elm Street, and, and I think that. There's definitely a a boiler room look to when, when she goes down the yeah into the t- yeah and like, there was a copy of the Goonies next to it which is also a there's the Goonies 
there yeah. was a there was a video there was a uh, home video that just had writing on it that I couldn't read. Yeah, okay, that's um, what there was the right stuff. Yeah, oh, which right I don't stuff? know what the right stuff plays. Yeah, the yeah, I, don't I was know how that... I remember the right stuff was there, but <laughs> um, there's also I, I told Scott this that uh, the little kid is wearing a Jaws shirt. Yes, and then when the dad is fighting his doppelganger, he knocks him into the water, and the um, life preserver becomes like the barrels in Jaws to let you know where that character is throughout the rest of that sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely like I feel like every little reference. It isn't just regurgitating nostalgia. All of the nostalgia regurgitation seems to play a part, especially like the hands across America thing could have been such a throwaway joke at the start of the movie. And then it becomes kind of a crucial aspect of the film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait. So I need to get back to this concept. Oh yeah. Of sorry, sorry. Sorry. No, that's yeah. fine. It's, it's a lot to unpack here. And since we're not, we're doing it, live we're not doing it off of notes um yeah it's it's just harder to do it that way so let's just say that uh scientists made the tethered it doesn't matter who made them but like whoever made the tethered made them to control people in santa cruz um let's say in the 50s and they made 20 people and then those 20 people got um they got married and had kids. And so anything that happens up in the world is happening magically there. is created in in the 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 tethered world. I think that's magic. I think that there's some sort of sorcery there. I don't think that science could explain that. It's supernatural. It, yeah, well, I think it and that and it kind of takes away from it, is they're pretty much shadows. So they're they're the shadows of the people. So like everything that's happening when um, her shadow or when the person meets a man and they make love their shadows are doing the exact same thing except it's like the inversion so basically what i took away from that is that red got raped you will and well, she kind of she kind of alluded to it where it was like i didn't and she said it she said uh you met a man that you love blah, blah blah and she said i did the same but i didn't have a choice whether i loved him or not because so, he was so, his shadow but here's the thing. Here's the thing that I realized, and I just realized this in the second that we're talking about it. <laughs> but so so for the longest time, I thought, man, that twist at the very end, which we'll, we'll just get there because this is the spoiler area. Yeah. The twist is that the whole time the mother that you're following is actually the tethered. And I was like, well, that was super un- unnecessary. It fucks up everything. But I actually get it now. And I, when what I get is that the villain, quote unquote, red, who started this whole revolution is that she had, she wasn't, she wasn't being the shadow. You know what I mean? Like, so if it was the roles reversed and everything played out exactly the same, the shadow has the conscience of a shadow. So it doesn't care, but she has the self-awareness that none of the other ones have. So while she's being forced to have to do things because the shadow dictates her movements, Mm -hmm. she is aware like i don't want to do this i don't like she has all of that self-awareness which is what turns her crazy versus if that switch had never happened this entire thing would have never played out because they don't have the ability to speak or understand or whatever they're they're basically just mute they're they're just nothing up there you know what i mean well here's the problem with that i don't like that idea i mean I, i that is the implication that jordan peele was going for and this is my complaint of that huge twist one red is not 
written like her her dialogue she's the only tethered that can speak and yeah. and she's she's not written in such a way that it that it telegraphs and it's supposed to telegraph the fact that they switched in 1986 yeah. because that story that she tells could have been the same but her, just admitting she, the twist how would she, how would she have completely forgotten that she was the human and and, and, and then red is actually um abby up on the up top side and also that brings into the consideration is the tethered like the soulless one controlled by what happens to the human or is it whichever one is in the tethered realm has to do whatever the human does or the one i think that the realm is actually what dictates who does what but mm -hmm. they also were untethered already in that when red went topside um she got to dance yeah well and that's so here's the thing that um someone pointed out like she quits dancing at 14 and red mentions like you felt it the same way that i felt it and supposedly it was that because they were still so tethered she felt that like oh this this didn't work out the way i thought it would she's still conscious and she can like like she realizes what's happening to her and she's gonna fight against me eventually um, I think that's a lot to read into, but what I did really start to like, well, here's the thing. I questioned that too. Cause I was like during the opening scene in the couch, like the opening scene, we're like 30 minutes in the movie, but the scene on the couch, why didn't red just straight up say like, you stole my life. Yeah. You know exactly. I mean? because there, it, it, it's, it's not like uh Stockholm syndrome or whatever, where she's, she doesn't present it in that in the right way. Like, how and I would almost she think take it would on be the other side. Well, and it's funny because I mentioned that to my friends, and I was like, you know, wouldn't that wouldn't that be more interesting? Is that like the whole movie still plays out the same way, but simultaneously the family's questioning if they're being lied to or not by this evil spirit, and then like there's some validity to the twist of like, oh, she wasn't lying. Like, she really did have her life stolen. But then they came back with like. Yeah, but honestly, if this is the person that you've known your entire life, do you really give a fuck that's, if it's the real person that or not? That is what I was saying. <laughs> like, that's what I, like, like, it's, okay, so the horror aspect of Red and Abby being swapped is the fact that the human was raped and, and in the, the tethered realm and that, you know, like all this bad stuff happened to the wrong person, right? But yeah, uh -huh. it doesn't really change much as if, far as her being a mother and a wife. And yeah, all like of she, that she it, it doesn't it's almost like there should have been um, horror on on her face when she realizes what she did to her. Yeah, to it her. shouldn't be the sun. Yeah, yeah it yeah. shouldn't be. The I did not like, like that. I, it was like the, the Twilight Zone gotcha that that he was trying to do and i just don't think that it was it felt like somebody was like you need to, to add something and he was like well i guess this will work and but like really astute a real astute watch of this movie kind of shows that it's not a great i don't i don't know yeah, like the, hints, rushed. the like hints are there and i mm -hmm. didn't recognize the hints at the time but it's like okay it makes sense the tethered can't talk so when she's silent and having to go to, through all these therapy sessions, it's not that she's like traumatized. She's trying to learn the language so that she can blend in. And like, it makes sense that red talks in a raspy voice. Cause you see that she gets her larynx basically crushed immediately 
before she can scream in the switch part. And then there's no doctor to fix it. So she has that like busted up speaking ability. Yeah. So like there's little things like that. That's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But I feel like, you know, we, we had a conversation about hereditary where I said that there's probably tons of Easter eggs in hereditary that will give you more insight on, on everything. But the movie like just is so emotionally upsetting that I don't really want to revisit it. Us, I'm definitely going to revisit, and I feel like with each watch, I'm going to find more of the things that are laying the the groundwork towards that twist, and I feel like my feelings will be more optimistic towards it, but it could also be the opposite effect where I keep finding more, like, it go either way. I could find more and more things where I'm like, wow, this really doesn't make sense, or be like, oh, okay, the, the like, cookie crumbs were there the whole time. Like, there was breadcrumbs that led me to this conclusion that I just missed on the first viewing. Well, you then you have to let me know because where I stand right now, this movie has zero rewatchability. Oh, oh see, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I really <laughs> yeah. enjoyed the watch, and I would absolutely watch it again, and then just switch it off um, after, <laughs> after she kills Red, because that's to me where the movie ends. I, I, yeah, you know, I don't think that you needed that Hands Across America wide shot at the end. I, 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 I it felt a little silly. That yeah. I like the idea that Santa Cruz is where this experiment or whatever ends, ends yeah. because so so if there were twenty people originally and then those twenty people went out got married that would magically create forty people because that yeah. the, and then those forty people would have let's say forty kids so that's already eighty people right there so like if you you have enough tethered. And not every tethered is going to be successful, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I. Th- but here's the thing. I also, I, I mean, I'm curious for you, Scott, because you are definitely the most politically minded out of all of us. It took me doing research to really catch a lot of the political perspective that was happening in this movie. Like the villains all being dressed in red and doing like a very Reaganomics activity like Hands Across America and like, the fact that us also is us and you know lines like we're americans yeah. and kind of it being about the political divide like all of that completely went over my head until i read an article <laughs> i was like oh wow yeah that makes a shit ton of sense but like when you were watching it where you're like oh yeah no i'm getting it i'm on board with this no i i really had a lot of fun with it i loved the i loved the thriller um shirt because i think that that was actually Jordan Peele saying this isn't a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, I, I like, I love his voice. Like as a, as a writer, I just think that he's very clever because even stuff that's so in your face, like visually in your face is such a lighthearted little slap that you're like, Oh, you cheeky bastard. Well, I will it, say this, this movie, as far as, and, and Jordan Peele, I would even say with Get Out, like I think that Jordan Peele is a ten out of ten director. Um, I think I, the, I think his the every decision he makes as a director is is phenomenal. I think that this falls short in the writing, and I don't know if he was it, like I said. I just I felt like it felt rushed, but I think that like the the ballet scene, like as far as written, didn't make a lot of like it made sense, but it was you know. It was very Suspiria, um, yeah. but der- like it was cinematically beautiful. Like it was just so beautiful to watch and look at. 
I think that Jordan Peele, more than almost anybody, really represents, though, the positives of having someone who's so good at comedy doing other genres is that they because comedy, I feel like more than any other genre is you have to learn how to properly set up something for a payoff. So like you put you apply that to a thriller, you apply that to a horror film, like even if it fails, there's still a very well thought out build to that payoff um, more so than like, you know, the easy throwaway of just like the child jumps out of the water and pulls someone in. Like, you know, what I mean? like that's like the Jason at the end of Friday the 13th or Carrie and stuff like that. Like they're good jump scares, but like it's not like an earned payoff. Versus someone yeah. who spends their time writing jokes where, like, every word that you say in your joke should be building up to the punchline more and more. Did you guys catch the name of his friend's boat? Uh, was that it Crawl was Daddy? The... No, no, that was his boat, his his rich friend's boat. Oh, no, what was his rich friend's boat? It was B, Yacht, <laughs> And I thought it was so funny. <laughs> I mean, it's it's well, and that's my one coworker uh, was going to see it with his wife yesterday. And he was like, look, like my wife hates horror movies. I need to know, like, how bad is this going to be? Is she going to be able to handle it? And like she's got very like specific things that she can't handle because of the career that she works, where she's like a therapist for mentally ill people. So like that type of stuff really affects her. And he's like, is it going to be like hereditary? And I was like, no, it's actually the opposite of hereditary. I was like, hereditary, I felt like the tension built throughout the entire movie. Whereas like with us, the first 20 minutes, I was super tense. And I I was like, where is this going to go? And I feel like the movie gets lighter as it yeah. goes on. Like it's it like, really oh, does. it's more yeah. and more feel good. Like, yeah, which is funny because you'd think that they would be traumatized from murdering people. But uh, no, they're they're pretty okay. Well, I think it's that it takes the humor of like, like there's a certain point in the movie where you conclude, oh, these four characters are going to be okay. Like you just like kind of know that they're going to survive this whole ordeal. So then it just becomes the fun of like, well, let's see how they survive this ordeal now. Like, yeah. like, and cause like the scene where the daughter's trying to drive and she's like, I've killed more people than anybody. I should be allowed to drive. <laughs> like, it's so matter of fact that like, that's the humor of it. And I, I do really like that aspect of the dark comedy. Yeah, and the fuck the police scene got me. So like that that scene actually <laughs> had me laugh. The, the only issue was the guy next to me was yeah, every song was just very loudly singing along. And I was like, <laughs> Sir, first of all, this isn't Wait, Mama you Mia. With me? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this isn't Mamma Mia. And second of all, all of these songs are very, very famous. You are yeah. not impressing anyone. Like, it was all the worst. I got yeah. five on it yeah. and fuck the police. Um, and man, I love, I will say that the ending of that movie where they turn I Got Five on it into the most creepy orchestrated version is awesome. Like, and I that, love that payoff. And that was the OST, too. Yeah. They like the. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to think if there's anything. Well, else I, I want to talk about how had. I I I loved the reveal of there being other tethereds because um, it's Kate Moss and um, you know like the 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 shitty white family. Um, yeah, so funny. They're just they're so funny in their shittiness. Yeah. Oh, I I I guess I should have known that that was coming, but then. Um, the, the the two sisters 
just get straight stabbed in the neck. Um, and I'm like, oh, I think I actually yeah. did did like it's, yeah choke. It's the most well earned scare in the movie because it does come out of fucking nowhere, and it's great. And, but it and, also makes sense, and it's the closest <laughs> thing to like unsettling. I guess in in the movie oh, is the like, sound she effect still of her survives throat. and it's just yeah. her yeah like, the gurgling. gurgling yeah um, yeah yeah but that that woman shows how much of just a white trash Delco piece of shit I am <laughs> because it was me Jade and a couple and when she came on screen everyone was like oh, the girl from uh, Handmaid's Tale and I'm like that's Oz's girlfriend from American Pie one <laughs> <laughs> wait. Kate Moss was, or uh, Kate Moss, um, Elizabeth Moss was in American Pie. Yeah, she was Oz's girlfriend. Huh. Wait, what? Isn't that her? Am I wrong? No, that's Mina Savori. Yeah. Oh. No, dude, <laughs> oh, well, I was way off. Elizabeth Moss, she was in Mad Men for the entire show. <laughs> I was Let like, you fucking see. idiot. <laughs> Let me see. Matt, oh man, that was his way of getting the Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> So, Matt, do you know what else she was in? What else was she in? Suburban Commando. Oh, wait. Dope. Elizabeth Moss was in Suburban Commando. Yeah. Oh, dude, I thought, I can't believe that's not her. I was way off. Huh. Huh. All right. Well. well, that's it for me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's been um, a movie night. <laughs> so go see us. Um, so, yeah. uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about, or can we talk about some of the trailers we saw real quick? Uh, yeah, no, I think I said everything I want to say. Scott, I I don't know. I think that that's about it because I I just I don't want people to think that if you've listened this far, you've probably seen the movie, and and I don't want anybody to think that any of us are really shitting on the movie. I just loved the watch. I don't know if I would if I was a person that owned physical media if I would own it, but I, yeah, I think I mean, that it's really really entertaining. I was going to say, even with me being hypercritical of the last, like, 10 minutes of this movie, I still think it's a 4.5 out of 5. Like, yeah. it is a very good movie. I guess I'd have to say the same. Um, So, I want to talk about, there was two trailers that I had somehow just completely avoided until I was in the theater. Um, I knew nothing about Ma, and that yeah. movie looked fucking crazy. <laughs> like, now, now, let me say this. That movie looks crazy, but me and Jade have a tier of movies. It's a three-tier system, because we'll see any new horror movie. Um, there is in theaters, renting on uh, our TV, and waiting for Prime. And when we saw the trailer for Mom, we're like, that looks good, but we're waiting for Prime. Like, I don't think I'd want to pay for that movie. See, well, I mean, that's the difference. You don't have any of the AMC's down there, man. If I'm yeah. I'm getting those three movies a week, Ma is definitely on the docket. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, the other one was I have no clue why they played it before us, but uh, I know Scott said he didn't get the trailer. But Brian, did you get the trailer for Booksmart? No. Okay, so that was just my screening. Um, Booksmart is like a female super bad, and it looks amazing. It's uh, produced by Will Ferrell, and the concept is it's the valedictorian and the salutatorian at school, and they realize that all the dumbass stoners and partiers also got into colleges so that they've wasted their entire high school year being goody-goodies. So they're just spending the last day of school getting in all of like the debauchery that they felt like they should have been participating in for the last four years, and it just looks like it's a really... like 
it's going to be like a fun, entertaining movie. It's got an awesome cast wow. of like like little people popping in. Um, but yeah, it looks really. It's written and directed by Olivia Wilde, which is interesting. Um, so I, I I think I'm going to check that out. I think I remember hearing it got some good responses on uh at like South by or wherever it premiered at. But uh, that was the other one that I had seen no trailers for, but was very invested in. Yeah, no, that my interest is peaked, which is I can't say for most of the trailers I saw. Yeah, I also really am interested. I've been seeing the trailer a thousand times though, so I'm like over it. But the Intruder still looks like it's going to be a good time. No idea. Oh, uh, it's a <laughs> family moves into a house, and the old owner just refuses to leave the house. Like he keeps oh. like showing up to cut the grass and stuff. Um, Ooh. but yeah, See? that looks that looks pretty decent. I've that trailer plays before like every even pseudo horror movie that i see see i didn't i didn't get any of these i got uh shaft though shaft looks fun <laughs> what is you guys we have i haven't aside from ma like i didn't get any of these <laughs> shaft looks ugh. it looks okay it i mean it's not one that i'm gonna feel like i have to see it'll be like a, oh there's nothing going on on this saturday maybe i'll go see shaft yeah um but like, if I never see Shaft, I'll also feel pretty okay with my uh, life. Uh, like, is that Sam Jackson? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's Sam Jackson, an actor playing his son, and then the original Shaft from the seventies playing the grandfather, uh. and it's all three of them like teaming up. So it's like, okay, well, that could be fun because it's like always fun to see like where they acknowledge that like the name, like the idea of like the James Bond thing of like James Bond isn't a person. It's a code name. Like the idea of like, Oh no, there's just a bunch of chefs. Like, <laughs> like it's not just one guy. Yeah. Um, so Scott, what did you get then trailer wise? I actually wrote them down cause I knew I'd forget oh, nice. otherwise. Uh, <laughs> another trailer for Cursa La Llorona. I could not Oof. give less of a shit about that. <laughs> James Bond is, uh, and this is what I was telling sci-fi Steve is that Jordan Peele, is a director that I will always go see. I will always be hyped to see anything that he's involved with. I mean, even as a writer, I mean, he would be, uh, he's up there. Like, I, I'm interested in the Twilight Zone because he's connected. Um, he also steps out of his comfort zone with every mm -hmm. film, it feels but James like. Wan, James, uh, James Wan has the same tone. You know, he, <laughs> like, he, did, um, he did The Conjuring, right? I think he did The Conjuring, the original Saul, Dead Silence, like... He kind of just leans on specific stylistic choices. Because, I mean, and The Conjuring gets, is a fantastic Haunted House movie. I love The Conjuring. It, and I don't think that he strikes out every single time. I'm just saying that, like, it gets old. It's the same thing with Rob Zombie. I can love some Rob Zombie movies and hate some others, but, like, the tone is so consistent every single movie that it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Chris Olaiorona looks like crap. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood <laughs> looks pretty cool. Didn't get that one. It, it was a letdown for me, but I, I'm still excited to see it. It was just, I felt so bait and switched because everything leading up to the release of the trailer was like Quentin Tarantino is doing a movie about the Manson family. And it wasn't until the trailer got released that even on IMDb, it said that for a long time, you know, and then when the trailer got released, it's like, no, it's actually about an actor and stunt double trying to make it into Hollywood during the era of the Manson family, which I still think will be cool. And I still love Quentin Tarantino. It was just kind of a letdown for me because I was ready for that trailer to be like, let's see what he does with the Mansons. 
Also, I want to clarify, James Wan is not the director of that movie. He's only the producer of that uh, the, movie. The Conjuring? Uh, no, no, The Curse oh, of, of Leah. Yeah, like he's he's trying to help. I guess it's like from looking at the director's credits, it's his first real movie. But uh, holy shit. Also looking at James Wan's director credits. And I forgot that his like career takes a really weird turn. <laughs> so he did Saul. He did Dead Silence. He did Insidious. He did The Conjuring. He did Insidious 2 and The Conjuring 2. But then out of nowhere, it's Furious 7, MacGyver, like an episode of MacGyver and Aquaman. So, Wait, like, like the Jason Momoa Aquaman? Yeah. He, he directed or produced it? Directed. That makes a whole lot of sense. And when <laughs> I, I actually, so this is what my week looked like this week. Sunday, last Sunday, um, Captain Marvel in theaters. Monday, Wait. Aquaman at home. Tuesday, oh, fuck, I don't even remember what I watched on Tuesday. And then Thursday, <laughs> watching us in theaters. Um so that, but yeah, having Aquaman so recently in my brain, um, that is very much a James Wan film. <laughs> it's not bad. It's actually probably his best, yeah. but it's. Uh. But yeah, I didn't realize he was Insidious and Conjuring because those I movies did. are so interchangeable in my yeah, brain. I, that's so what like... I, I didn't want to say it out loud for fear of being wrong, but it, I was always like, those are kind of the same movie, just one <laughs> slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> one's mushroom head one slipknot totally oh, got it mushroom head. Uh, what the fuck all right so um i got pet cemetery the full final trailer, okay and i told so you, I, I was not feeling it until i had to sit through that trailer um and i like the i like what i'm seeing because it looks like they're taking a couple more liberties with the source material, which most people are going to be like, Ugh, but I just felt like the original pet cemetery is very close to the source material. So taking a couple liberties makes the, the gives a little veneer to the concept. And it's, it's the people who did it, which, which oh, helps yeah. because I, because I feel like it did a really good job of, and you know you can listen to our full episode on it to break it down but like it does a really cool job of absolutely not sticking to the source material while having the same vibe of the source material where you're almost tricked into feeling like it's a faithful adaptation well and i think that's what what's that's what we were talking about last week with uh graveyard shift is that stephen king novels are very hard to adapt to the screen because so much of it is internal monologue and and struggle so to add some more fantastical elements to it really makes it a more palatable thing to watch like adding yeah. the that there is some sort of supernatural presence that resides beneath or in the pet cemetery's area really it does it for me because obviously i fucking love monsters so um yeah I, i'm i'm i wasn't feeling it but i am now on board but i cannot say the same for dark phoenix and i am very excited <laughs> for the fact that it will be the end of the uh, Fox X-Men um, controlled franchise because Disney now owns all of it. Yeah, which is uh, its own thing to discuss because that's really cool news and also like awful. Well, news. like, yeah, <laughs> Disney is a monopoly, but at the end of the day, they're going to have a better chance of making what I have always wanted to see. That, well, that's what I mean. Like for for us as people attending a movie, it is a huge positive yeah, for yeah. us. 
but like the 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 thought process behind this whole thing is basically that purchase is to a uh try to shut down universal studios oh, shit. because universal studios has a stronghold on all of the marvel characters and all of these properties owned by 20th century fox so it's like their way of being like hey how about we raise how much it costs for you to have the Simpsons in your park or <laughs> we renegotiate this thing that says that we're not allowed to have any Marvel characters in our parks uh, past the Mississippi line. Like it's like a negotiation tactic from that perspective, but it's also because they're launching their own streaming service. So now they can tell Netflix and Hulu and Amazon prime that they no longer have access to any of those libraries so that they can put it in their streaming service. So it's also going to really fuck up like what Netflix has available and stuff. Like That's that. fine so, like, because Netflix a... doesn't want to rehost other people's content anyway. They want to be. Yeah, they want to just start make their own stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm fine. I, I'm not going to lose my Netflix account over it, but it is going to be like the people who complain that there's nothing good to on see Netflix. on Netflix. It's going to get way worse. Well, <laughs> like... That's what I, I really don't have a problem with more curated um, streaming services because you can get more granular with what you want. Like I don't go to Netflix oh, to watch horror. I go to shutter. Yeah. And I like, I, I think that at the end of the day, if it's going to cost me $50 to have the seven streaming services that show everything that I want to watch versus $150 for a cable bills, like, okay. Yeah. And <laughs> like, you can always turn things on and turn things off. Like you could binge, uh netflix for a month and then be like eh and not and be like i'm I'm yeah. canceling my subscription this month that's what yeah. they really no, they it, should it, have some sort of tier where you can do six months instead of having or you know you buy you buy um a, a, a pass i like that I, I would like that idea personally because then i would just save up until the winter not save up money but save uh, plan out okay well uh these four shows came out in the last six months. This winter, I'm just going to spend three months binging all the Netflix shit that I didn't watch all year. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Anyway, right. so uh, so then I have... Yeah, let's wrap up the trailers and yeah, get out of here. So I, uh, <laughs> the trailer for Endgame, can't wait. Uh, yeah. Then I got that little trailer, which I could uh. give less of a shit about that movie, but I'm also not the target audience. Got the Ma trailer, yeah. and then I got this weird... It was like a... Cinemark movie pass thing. It was some sort of promotional thing where um, it was related to Hellboy and then whatever his name is that, that you know, uh, the sheriff and the sheriff. Yeah. Um, he, I got that too. He's like, that's why I have this movie pass thing. Then don't forget to see Hellboy. And I'm like, well, I don't care about Hellboy. First of all, you, yeah. you so guys now I'm not buying the movie yeah. pass. How do you like so you, that, Sheriff? I was gonna say. So you guys didn't go to an AMC theater, yeah, right? That's, I was. Yeah. That's why. That's one hundred percent why I didn't get that because they're just pushing that A list card. They do not want to advertise that there is any other <laughs> <options>. <laughs> See, I go to Cinemark every time, and there is the same commercial before the movie starts that now just drives me fucking crazy. And it just makes me want to hurt someone where it's just it keeps cutting to people, but it doesn't. Oh, that sync one. Up yeah, well. where they're like, yeah, popcorn, nachos. Yeah, like, like, who uh, the fuck is eating that food at the movie theater? 
Yeah. <laughs> like, like, so, and, and the thing is, it's like, it starts off where like, it's trying to, uh, like sync them all together. So it's like, oh yeah, this, this alien movie is supposed to be really good. They say the aliens look like a giant slice of pizza, you know, uh, and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying pizza. <laughs> but then it gets that. more and more obscure where she's like, oh yeah, they got the new recliners. It's so comfortable. It's like sitting on popcorn. And I was <laughs> yeah, like, that's not that comfortable. A lot of times. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for us reviewing the commercials that we see <laughs> advertising the movie theaters we go to. Um, we will be back uh, probably in June, I'm going to say, for the next in theaters now for Child's Play, because I am fucking hyped for that. Movie. I didn't know Aubrey Plaza was in it because I haven't seen a trailer, but that made me a little bit more excited. Uh, it's Aubrey Plaza yeah. actually acting instead of just being a goddamn weirdo, so I'm really interested. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it. Uh, and we'll be back with a regular episode of the show in a couple of days. But thank you guys for listening. Oh, I guess I should say, if you listen to this and this is the first time you're listening to Horror Movie Night, this isn't what we're normally like. Go and listen to some dick and fart jokes. I highly recommend uh, the Graveyard Shift episode is pretty good. All right. Bye. <laughs>